Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, thank you, Eddie. It is that time of the week where myself, Ollie Geel, and of course, uh, Mark Schwarzer sit down with a bottle of red wine and we'll talk about all the issues and some of the good, not, I don't think issues is the right word, but all the big stories across the world of football. Uh, and uh, we will try this a beautiful bottle of red wine each. And towards the end of the episode, we'll compare that bottle of red to a player, past or present. Uh, do you agree with that, Mark? Not, not all the issues in the world of football, but all the, the major storylines is probably what I need to say. We're, we're positive people, aren't we? So it doesn't have to just be issues is what I'm getting no, at. That's, no, that's right. And, and there are a lot of issues, aren't well, there? I mean, you, for example, have many, many issues. Huge that, issues. I mean, we, we could do like a, a probably, I don't know, another six episodes just on your issues alone. We said that in the week, didn't we? we just, we're trying to figure out who's got more issues, you or me. <laughs> yeah, you've definitely got more issues than me. Well, okay. Remains to be seen. Yeah. But yeah, I said, at the time, I said, look, what did mum always used to tell you growing up? Never trust a man who can't touch his shoulders. And I think that, yeah. that speaks volumes. I, I mean, I think you're just like, you're messing about now and you've got no idea really. And it's just No, but a, can you explain to the, to the listeners, you, you can't touch your shoulders, is that right? I can touch my shoulders. Go know? on, go on then. <laughs> oh, cop out. You've done See? the uh, Wakanda forever, the, the X uh, across the shoulders. Doesn't count, but... Is, and so could you do this before you played or is it playing sustained? Um, I think it's, uh, it's from birth, I think, personally. Really? I don't remember, but I think it's from birth. All right, let's get stuck in. Uh, let's just start with the wine, uh, and then we will uh, get firmly stuck into what was a fantastic weekend of not only Premier League uh, football, but across uh, Europe as well. Uh, I've been able to track down one of the only Barossa Valley Shirazes uh, on the island, which I'm very excited about. So this Shiraz, bursting with lots of bold Aussie flavours, uh, is, of course, from Australia's heartland in uh, the Barossa Valley, just north of Adelaide there. Uh, it's got ripe, generous fruits, which combine nicely with savoury notes, both bold and concentrated. Uh, goes very well with a barbecue, or even perfectly with a pulled pork roll. Uh, and those of me, uh, those that know me will know that a, a pulled pork roll is my favourite food. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to getting stuck into the Shiraz. Uh, your turn. What have you gone for? Um, I've picked out a South African wine this week, uh, nice. Iona, and it's called a one man band, Ooh. 2015 model. Yeah. This is a full bodied wine, fruity, uh, long aftertaste with floral hints, um, uh, on the aftertaste as well. So yeah, very much looking forward to this one. Beautiful Mark. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, it's time for the football, and I think we need to address the North London-sized elephant in the room. So as we do that, I just uh, take my current hat off, uh, my Minnesota Twins basketball hat, and then take on the bucket hat that I found a few weeks ago. Big win. 
big win for the Gunners, Mark. I, don't, I didn't Massive. see it coming. Uh, didn't see it coming. It, they obviously started very brightly. And obviously Tottenham scored against the grain with one of the best goals we've seen in the Premier League in a hell of a long time. In fact, to the point of when Lamella scored it, I didn't think it was that good because I didn't see it. I didn't see the yeah. Rabona nuance. And I went, why is everyone, you know... Do, do you think, like do you genuinely think it's one of the best goals we've seen? It'd be up there. It'd have to really? be up there. It has to be up there. It has to yeah. be. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Uh, listen, it's a great goal. and can't take anything away from the, the skill involved. But I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not feeling it that much. So what, what goals do you like, though? Because I think that's important to ask. Because some people obviously prefer... A variety of goals. Know. So, like, you know, the individual class of, you know, like Sons last year running pretty much the whole length of the pitch, you know, taking yep. on most players in the Burnley side and scoring still, or outrunning most of the players in the, in the side. Um, you know, individual brilliance of touch and movement, um, you know, a turn, Dennis, Bur- Dennis Burkamp's touch against Newcastle where he outdone, um, I think it's Andy O'Brien, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm correct in saying so. Um, you know, some of Thierry Henry's goals. Kanu, actually a goal he scored against me at the Riverside where he did a backhill um, from a cross. So I don't know. Uh, listen, no, don't get me wrong. It's a wonderful goal. Is it one of the best goals to being scored in the Premier League? I don't know. I'm comfortable with that. But let's start then um, with Lamella in particular, who had one of the most extraordinary days out ever. Started on the bench, came on, actually changed the game, I thought. He really sort of spiced things up a little bit. He's an angry man. He, or he likes to get under the skin of the opposition. I thought someone like a Xhaka was definitely going to bite, uh, but managed to, to do all right in the end. And then, of course, uh, he had two yellows, a really silly tackle on Partey, and then... Uh, a bit of an elbow or a hand to the face of Kieran Tini and sent off. But he had an extraordinary day out. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was funny because, um, you know what, to, to, to add to it, so Son, he replaced Son because Son had an injury. I, I think Son's dropped a little bit. And I don't know whether the combination at the moment is very fluid, uh, whether it's working at the moment between Son, Kane and Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale and Harry Kane obviously have an amazing... Uh, understanding already uh, last week I, I noticed it as well Son was off his game and the combination play between him and, and Kane and Bale didn't quite work so I don't know whether Bale's in a lot of the similar positions that, that Son would want to take up I'm not really quite sure so I thought he was again didn't play particularly well even up to the point where he got injured even though it was an early part of the game he didn't really start that well nor did any other Spurs player but Son is always an exception generally, or has been an exception over the last couple of years. He's always been one of, one of the best, if not the best players um, for Spurs with Harry Kane, of course. Um, then Lamella's coming on and I'm, I'm, I'm hit and miss with Lamella. And I think he is very much hit and miss. He, he, he has so much ability. You see glimpses, you see the goal, you see parts of his game and then you want him to kick on and then he doesn't. And then he just loses the ball in silly areas. Then he does something ill-disciplined. Then, you know, and, and it was just before that, the commentators were saying on the, on the TV about the discipline record uh, during this game. And, and that's unusual generally, actually, that, that, that both teams have 11 players on. And generally there's one player or a couple of players being sent off at this stage. Um, and then what happens? A couple of minutes later, he gets sent off. As silly as it will sound, I actually think he's a little bit unlucky with the second one. It, it's 100% a foul. I just don't, I don't think it was intentional. And I think it's just a little bit unlucky that he gets him in the face. 
Um, that's my interpretation of it. I'm sure there's lots of people there go, you're mad and what are you talking about? He's got no clue. And, and you may be right. Um, but just the way I, I saw it and felt about it, I thought it was a little bit unlucky, but you know, you, there's no arguments to say that mm. the referee shouldn't have sent him off. The bigger question is the, the penalty decision mm. that the referee gave. And that, that was really interesting because at the time at normal speed, I thought hundred percent penalty. It looks, yeah. it looks Absolutely. every day of the week. It looks a stonewall penalty. And then, go on. No, no, and then, I still think it is because it goes back to our discussion that we've had, or had a, you know, a fair few times where <clears> someone <throat> says, oh, yeah, but I got the ball first. You go, well, what? So you get the ball first, then you could king hit someone if you wanted. So in the, everyone, you know, the pundits were saying, yeah, but he had his shot, so it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what happens after that. Well, that can't it be does. right. No, yeah, that's right. It does I, matter. I, it does matter. So the only thing I would say is it's one of those ones that is really, really difficult to define because he doesn't, um, Sanchez doesn't actually run into him. It's, it's a Lacazette that kicks him. But then you would argue and say, well, Lacazette hasn't altered his movement, hasn't altered anything. He's in the direction of the goal. Sanchez mm. is trying to come across and cover and block. So therefore he puts himself in a position where Lacazette is always going to run into him because of his momentum in the direction of which he's moving. It's just a silly challenge. Well, no, it's not a silly challenge. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not, actually. It's what you'd expect from your centre-half to do mm. without actually going through him because he could have easily have gone through him and, and, and absolutely cleaned him up. But he didn't. And again, it's one of those ones where I think it's a penalty and I think he's just really unlucky because Lacazette mishits it. If Lacazette hits it towards goal, Sanchez may actually make the block. Mm. The fact that the ball goes away and then he clobbers him, so to speak, because Lacazette follows through the referee feels it's certainly it's a certain penalty. Then when you review it, it's kind of like, I think it's open, open for debate whether or not it is a penalty or not a penalty. But the fact is that the referee hasn't made a clear, clear and obvious mistake. So no. stats. So then after the game, Jose said, uh, first thing he said, he's brilliant, isn't he? Post-match, yeah. free, uh, he's, just, he's such an entertainer. I love it. But he said, is there going to be a press conference for the referees? Now, yeah. in other sports... I don't want to say that the refs are accountable, but they are at least questioned. And they go, you know, we're not going to have a go at you, but can you explain it, you know, to everyone watching at home as to what's happened? Do you think that that could be something that they should seriously look into? Because you'd hope that it will stop, you know, this segment, for example. You know, we wouldn't, you wouldn't need to do it because, you know, it'd come out and, and explain what happened. Well, I think for, for a while now, people have been calling out for referees to be mic'd up, particularly for that moment. So what is the discussion that the referee is having? What are his initial comments to the VAR assistant in the booth when he sees the challenge, when he gets, gives the challenge, mm-hmm. sorry, makes the decision, gives the decision, blows his whistle? What, what is the communication going on between the referee and the, the VAR official? And I think if that is, if that is actually... Um, made aware to the public there's less opportunity for people to have a lot more questions for it yeah you could still argue and and debate i suppose his view of it the referee's view Mm -hmm. the the referee's decision making process but at least you have an understanding of how they've come to that decision and whether it's a simple of simple discussion of well he's clearly seen it the wrong way or he's he's angle i understand why i think from it from a from a viewer's perspective and also from coach's perspective, you can go, well, at least I can say, yeah, okay, I can, I can see why the referees made that decision from that angle. So therefore it's almost like 
the referees made the decision based on his positioning on the pitch and at, at the time, normal speed and everything else. And, and if you're realistic, you can look at it and go, okay, I, I get that. Because even Jose Mourinho said, I'm 40, 50 metres away. I were, wasn't sure. It wasn't until I saw it on the replay that I was 100% sure it wasn't a penalty. Yep. I mean, I think you've got to water that down a little bit because Jose will either be one way or the other extreme, you know, and I, and I kind of understand it's frustration and everything else and it's a defining moment in the game. Uh, and the final thing that I want to discuss mm-hmm. on the North London derby before I, you know, I mean, obviously I'll rewatch it <coughs> three or four times today. Um, Aubameyang's exclusion from the starting lineup probably shocked everyone when you saw it. You went, hang on, what's going on here? Uh, from all reports, he was late to a team meeting. Uh, and was held accountable. Fair, unfair, right decision. I mean, right decision in the end, because I think Arteta wins in that scenario, right? You know, the team win, and he was made an example of. Uh, well, but I, I, I don't think he's been dropped because he's one minute late. Mind you, he might be dropped because he's one minute late. I think it's possibly a perseverance thing. Right. Do you know what I mean? And then ultimately as well, it may not be as well, I suppose. He may, Arteta may go, you know what? He's, may, he's probably set, set down the ground rules right from the off and said, the one thing you can't be late for is a team meeting. On the day of a game, that is unacceptable. Fair enough though, right? Like, that's yeah, a, absolutely. That's... So I don't care if you're 20 seconds late, five minutes late, whatever. It's unacceptable. Yeah. And... If you were in the team lineup, you'll be dropped. Maybe he wasn't that precise in, in, in terms of description of, of what the consequences would be, but I, I'm, I have no problem with it whatsoever. And the great thing about it is what Mikel Arteta has done is he's laid down a marker and gone, mm. don't care who you are, how detrimental it may be or may be mm. perceived to have been for the team, you are going to be out of the team. If you already were supposed to be starting, you'll be dropped out of the side. Um, and fair play to him. And the way that the game unfolded, it, he, he didn't feel like there was an opportunity to bring him on. So for Obama Young, that's a really, really tough lesson. And even at his age, and that's even more the reason why he can't afford to be late. And it's the simplest thing, Ollie. Yeah. You know, you're in a hotel uh, or you're, um, you're expected to be at the ground generally. So if, if I'm not quite sure if Arsenal players are going to be in a hotel the day before a game of a home game. Yeah. Whether or not, uh, if they're not in a hotel, they will be expected to meet probably either at the training ground at somewhere at a particular time. And that's, you know, pretty, a lot of hours before the kickoff. You, as a, and, and, and you always see it. And I've seen it so many times throughout my career players who live the closest are the closest are generally the latest mm. because they go, Oh no, I've got plenty of time. I've got plenty of time. Riyad Mahrez at Leicester used to live literally two minutes from the training ground. Nearly every day he was late. <laughs> Did he walk? Was he driving? What was... No, he was driving, but he used to go to Riyad. Riyad, what are you doing? You live around the corner. And he's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, he never had an, it was just his nature relaxed and he got away of it. He had to pay fines and that was it. There was no other consequences. If the manager went, you know what? If you're late again, you're dropped. And if you late the next week, you're not starting again the next week. You know, that would put an end to it really quickly. But it depends on how the, the discipline is. I don't think he's late at Manchester City. I was going to say, they it. surely can't find I, a pet, I can't no imagine way. it. But it, he did it at Leicester because he got away with it. 
Yeah. And, and, and my point is, if you don't set really strong parameters, yeah. people will take advantage of it. There's always one, two, three, sometimes even more in a group of 25, 30 people that will push the, the, the borders, push the lines of, of, of acceptance time and time again until they realize, oh, I've gone too far and there are, serious, there, are, there are consequences. And obviously Arteta set a boundary and gone, right, these are the consequences. You overstep, I don't care who you are, you're dropped. And that sent a very, very strong message amongst that group. Particularly because Arsenal, uh, Aubameyang is probably Arsenal's best player, right? So in that scenario with Mares, who would have realistically, you know, up, up for discussion, but would have been Leicester's best player at the time, um, does that cause a, a rift in that scenario? Because it, it is one thing for the best player at the club and another for everyone else. Well, that's the danger, isn't it? So Was that the, the case, though? Or did, I, think, I think the vast majority of the guys were satisfied enough because they find him. And... He, he paid the fines reluctantly, but he paid them. And each time the fines got more expensive. And if you did it the day before a game, it was double. And if you did right. it on the day of the game, there was a set fee and it was astronomical. So he would have to pay it and he would pay it. Um, I think that kind of pacified everyone enough. Mm. And also because of his contributions on the football pitch. So less is a, I, I, I don't want to say it's a, it's a different kettle of fish. It's actually not. But they dealt with it and generally the group were, were satisfied enough with it. The problem you have is if whatever, whatever the, 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 um, the consequences for the lateness, for the ill discipline is, if that doesn't satisfy the entire group, that's where a problem starts to, to, mm. to fester. As long as everyone's satisfied with it, then you can continue to move forward. But it's a risky game to play because you don't quite always know exactly where it is. And do the fines, uh, is the, the set fine the same for everyone? Or in that scenario, Aubameyang's on a lot more cash. No, it's a than, set fine. No, it's know. a set fine. And then it just, it, it, it multiplies. So you get like one time, the first time is this, the second time is, it's either, I don't know, depends. It could be double. So wouldn't that cause be, tension though? Mm. Well, that would definitely cause tension. Because if Aubameyang had to play, pay a late fee for being slightly late to a meeting, but it was the same cost that Smith Rowe had to pay, that's not fair. Yeah, but the, the, the amount will be an amount that is comfortable for everyone to pay. But I, but I tell you now, Smith, Smith Rowe, uh, I, don't know him for, for, you know, I don't know him from Adam, but I would envisage that say the fine was, I don't know, so as an example, £5,000 for being late on a yeah. match day. And he's only earning only, I say only, £25,000, yeah. £30,000 a week. I mean, that, that, that definitely hurts. Aubameyang is probably earning two hundred and fifty grand a week. Yeah, five grand paying her for a fine is not going to hurt him really at all. So, what Smith Rowe will make sure is that he's not late. <laughs> Fair and enough, not, and it's not difficult to do that because what you do is, and 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 I've seen this throughout my whole career with so many players, different generations of players, different age groups of players. You have a meeting at ten thirty in the morning. There'll always be a group of players that won't be down there at quarter past ten. They will come down at 27, 28, whatever it is. Mm. So there's no room for error. If you're in a hotel, there's lifts that you've got to navigate. <laughs> you may come across someone, a fan or whatever. There are always something that, you, that may be thrown mm. in front of you, an obstacle that will then enhance your... I mean, I've been in hotels as well where you've got a team meeting and the lifts are not working. Oh. And you're on the 10th or 12th floor and the, and the, and the meeting's down in sub like minus three or minus two. 
So you're down the stairwell and you're, you're, you're running down the stairwell if you haven't given yourself enough time. That sounds like a stitch up from the hotel, surely. Well, whatever, but I've, I've been, that's actually yeah. happened to us in, time, right. in, in cases and you've got to pretty much, you're, you're sprinting down the stairwell. Let's move on, Mark. Uh, Sheffield United and Leicester. Tough, tough 48 hours for Sheffield United. Chris Wilder leaves the club. They lose 5 0. Ian Archo with a hat trick. Uh, it's not looking good for Sheffield United at this stage, is it? Um, what, just after the weekend's <laughs> game? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Before then, they're now flying. Um, were we yeah. surprised that he left? Let's start with that because. It kind of seems like things are too far gone now at Sheffield United. Do you to even yeah, act on it? No, I, I get, I get the fact that you know, as, as a club, if you've, if you make the decision that you want to get rid of the manager, why, why now? Like you said, mm. it's done. Like they're going down, right? Unless there's some miracle that occurs, and that miracle is only going to occur, I believe, if if Chris Wilder was still in charge. It's not going to happen anymore. As as by the, I mean, it's easy to say that now, but. If, even then, I still felt letting Chris Wilder go or getting rid of him, there's absolutely zero chance now of Sheffield United staying in the league. Him still being there, there was a chance. I, I actually genuinely believe that they were going to keep him there because he was the best man to get them back up again. Yeah. You know, he's proven. He's done it. He, he, he knows the team. He's got the players. He's got players that if they can keep the core of that side together, they would be one of the favourites automatically to come back up again. I think it's absolute madness. And, I, and you hear stories that, okay, there's been, a, there's been disagreements uh, with, between Chris Wilder and the owner of the club. And when that starts to happen, there's only one winner, of course. Yeah. Um, but it's a really risky game for the owners to play, you know. And, and, I, and I kind of understand if it's true. So some of the reports were that um, the owner was, was, was not, very, not happy with Chris Wilder's recruitment of players, uh, particularly in this last, tw- over this last 12 months. Um, Ryan Brewster's, let's be honest, it's turned out to be a bit of a disaster for him and the club. They've spent a lot of money for, for Sheffield United's uh, uh, perspective on, on one player and, and it hasn't worked at all. And I suppose you would look at it as an owner, um, uh, someone running the club of, okay, so why hasn't it worked? Is he a type of player that would normally fit into our system? Um, then is it a personal issue or is it just a bad selection of a player that doesn't really suit us? And it's, it's possibly one of those ones. At the end one, the last one, he's a player that doesn't really suit the way Sheffield United play. The only side thing I would say is I would argue and say, I don't know whether, I don't think they've really given him an opportunity. Mm. When I say an opportunity, let him play 10, 12 games you know, in a row. Play him for most, most, you know, 90 minutes each time, mostly, you know, give him a chance to find his feet. I don't think he's genuinely had a proper run in the side to be able to establish himself. And then add to the fact that they've had a disastrous run. They've been poor all over the field. It's not just one position. They've been poor everywhere. One man who, who doesn't really tend to get a lot of opportunity to get a few games in a row, but is really starting to, to, to do that now. And Ian Acho for Leicester Hattrick, really... <sighs> I don't want to say it was – put it this way. When he was leaving City to go to, to Leicester, I thought, how good is this for Leicester? Oh, this is going to be unbelievable. And then yeah. obviously things dipped off a, off a little bit. But do you firmly believe that he can be Vardy's traditional back, like proper backup? But you need someone at that level, I would assume, that if you're backing Vardy up, you still want them to be scoring 
regularly, yeah, right? You know, you can't. So, so he, yeah, so he is there to back up Jamie Vardy. There's no doubt about that at all. But what he's proven now is that in the absence of Harvey Barnes and James Madison, he's seen as a player that's now expected to play alongside Jamie Vardy. Yeah. And what Jamie Vardy was able to show is that he can very easily become provider. I mean, the two, the two layoffs for Ian Atcher's first two goals, particularly the second one, was exceptional. Ian Atcher did the rest. You know, he had to finish it. Particularly the second one was a bit more difficult. The first one was a simpler finish. So Ian Atcher is one of those players that I, I was the same as you. When he left City and went to, to um, Leicester, I thought, this is a really good signing potential, I think. I think he could do really, really well. But then I thought, where is he going to play? Leicester were very rigid in the way that they played. They only always really played with one up front. Is he able to be that, that more of a, a target man and let, play, let you know, play off Vardy or Vardy play off him? It's not really him. He's a player that likes to come short a bit, take a touch, turn, look to play it, or wall pass, turn and run and be on the end of things. And that's kind of what Jamie Vardy would do or run off the shoulder. So they were getting in each other's ways. Um, is he a lesser version of Jamie Vardy? Um, slightly different player. So it kind of didn't, didn't really work. And he's, I think he's another player that wasn't really given a proper run in the side. And that's mostly down to the fact that Jamie Vardy's been so good. Mm. And he's been so important to the side and the way that the team plays, the setup of the team. It's only now that they've had to tinker things a little bit because of the injuries that Ian Acho is starting to come in his own. And he's, and he's performed very, very well. And the link-up play between him and uh, Jeremy Vardy has been, been exceptional, particularly in the last game against uh, Sheffield United. And you'd argue and say, well, it's Sheffield United. But still, you know, 1-0 at half-time, Sheffield United were, were doing okay. Man United's, uh, West Ham United's, the Jesse Lingard Cup. United, uh, I was going to say United get up. Manchester United, uh, in that scenario, they win 1-0. Uh, but the storyline that I want to talk about is uh, your man, friend of the show, for no reason, <clears throat> uh, Hendo in goals. Henderson. Uh, what have you made of the last few games he's been able to play for United? Um, listen, I think he's been okay. I don't think he... Again, he's, <laughs> it's another one. Given opportunities, given a, a run in the side. Now is his opportunity, potentially. Um, the only thing is, De Gea is back again. They say he's in quarantine. How long until... So if he's in quarantine, it's still another probably another couple of weeks off being able to train or well, say another, maybe another week, five days to a week to be able to train with the team again, provided all goes well. And then how many, how much time does he need to come up to speed again? And then what does Oligo de Solskjaer do? I think that also depends on Hendo's performance mm-hmm. um, over the next couple of weeks. You know, there's been a couple of decision-making couple of instances where you could say that, you know, he could have, he should have done a lot better and he hasn't. Um, but again, it's trying to find a rhythm, trying to find his way into match, match, you know, match situations that he hasn't really had an opportunity to do throughout the course of the season. Now he needs that run of games. And if he gets that run of games, he needs to really, um, I think, really kind of embrace it and try and find his rhythm really quickly because there's an opportunity for him now to stake a claim. Uh, David Moyes uh, spoke about Jesse Lingard in particular and said that if he wanted to stay and it was physically possible, he'd love him to. Yeah, but then he uh, we, also said but he also said whether or not the club wanted to. So it was a bit yeah. weird. It, so what are we getting it? from that? The, 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 yeah, no, but I'm trying to, I, I take from that if it's financially sustainable and they can physically do it, 
then but then he and, also but he finished off by saying that's and then that's also if if West Ham want to do it. It was kind of like it was a weird one when I read it. I was kind of like, well, you either want him or don't want him. Have you decided already? Or maybe they haven't made that decision yet. Maybe they're thinking, yeah. you know what? So far, oh gosh, yeah, we'd love to sign him. But is it a you know is it a, is it a, is it a sort of a a one-off thing? You know that he's that it's just at the moment that he's flying that he's got a point point to prove. Would he be a good permanent signing, or is it just really a case of it is what it is for now until the end of the season, and he goes back to United after that? Because would he be over long term have the impact that he's been having? I mean, uh, they're all the questions I suppose they need to answer. Well, we know he's a form player. We know that. So yeah, but you're a form player. Yeah, but you are a form player. Everyone's a form player. You've got to get given opportunities. You've got to play games. I mean, clearly at United. He fell down the pecking order. Yes, he didn't perform at times. You, you end up being, you sort of spiral um, only one way. You know, when, you, when you're so down, your confidence gets affected. The fans turn on you. It's really, really difficult. Um, who knows what his injury situation was? Was he always trying to, carry, was he carrying something? Was he trying to play through the pain barrier? You don't really know. One thing's for certain, particularly over the last sort of 12 months or so, he's, he's clearly been way down the pecking order. Um, and he needed to get out. And then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said it. He needs to get out for him. He needed to get out for us and in terms of us giving him, because we weren't able to give him game time. He needed to get game time elsewhere. So if he goes elsewhere, does really well, it's going to benefit everyone, including us. Won't be long. Back to Ollie and Mark in just 15 seconds. If you enjoy Two Sharp Reds, though, make sure you search Geg and Pod wherever you get your podcasts. David Weiner is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field. It's a great listen. G-E-G-E-N-P-O-D. The Gig and Pod. Okay, back to Two Sharp Reds. Halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds. Marcus, I just sit back and take a nice deep sip of this beautiful Barossa Valley, Barossa Valley Shiraz. <laughs> uh, good news. <clears throat> Last week we started the, the venture, you know, it, it happened quite sort of organically oh Uh, Oh, i like this i've just realized what you're talking about the uh the revolution that we want to start with uh you know managerial seating we want camping chairs we we want that that that's what you know and we want two sharp reds ones i've made an inquiry oh and i'm currently waiting from a supplier in the uk to give me a quote on how much one would cost then we would get that and then we can shark tank it, essentially. We can try and speak to our buddies out there. Someone, someone at a lower level will try it out. I know they will. And then we can go from there. And if that chair is successful, then we've got a distributor who will pump them out. Pump wow. them out. Wow. But I'm just you're, waiting on the quote. So you're we'll a, see. You're, you're a can-do man, aren't you? Oh, 100%. When I, I yeah. like it. But I do yeah. know that the camping chair itself is 35 pounds. Okay, I'm like, right, okay. Oh, that's pretty good. What, what's that in Australia? 50 odd. Mm. I'm like, all right, no worries. A nice pineapple for a good camping tread. That's fine. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Then it's going to be printing is going to be the only real cost hit in, okay. in terms of, you know, making one. But I've knocked up a few versions for them. And so they've got something to work off. I've just You need them. one. Uh, I've, got a, I've got an idea already, right? Yeah, so you sell it to the club rather than the manager. Yep. And... Each, each where the name's on it has an attachment of Velcro. So once the manager gets the flick, the new one comes in and you just put the new Velcro on rather than changing the whole chair. Smart. That's really good. 
that's really yes. good actually yeah <clears throat> okay so, so, then- so actually to worry about printing all you need to get is that is that piece yeah that will go across with a velcro on it that's the bit that you need to get printed extra how are you feeling today um knowing that your man pele his all-time goal scoring record's been broken and you love pele don't you you love I do. him yeah, but he's you know your fa- favourite of all time, isn't it? Yeah, he is. He's. He is. Records are there to be broken, right? And um, listen, if you're capable of breaking Pele's record, you've got to be good. Yeah, but had yeah, I know. Just feels a bit. Always when there's a changing of the guard like that, it can be a little nostalgic and a bit. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, but he'll oh. still be. He'll still be forever in those records of you know holding the record for such a long period of time. And um, still, for me, like I said, the best of all time. So, okay, in that scenario, um, I'll be honest, I've only seen highlights of Pele. Uh, well, I actually I've only seen around. highlights of him as well. I'm, I'm you, old, but I'm not that old, man. Yeah, but you had an opportunity to watch more highlights, I think. Yeah, you've, you've yeah, heard, I, I think yeah only because I've been around a bit longer than you there. That's a, why. Yeah, a bit, yep. A little bit, uh, a little bit. So older. then, you know, we've got, the good thing about Two Sharp Reds, man, is, you know, we've got listeners from, you know, eight to 80, you know, that's the beauty of the show. So <laughs> to people that are on the, the closer to the eight end yes. for you, what made Pelé so special other than clearly that goal scoring record speaks for itself, but what um, made him so good? I think also his ability from a very, very young age to handle the pressure of playing for Brazil, the weight of the entire nation, um, be part of the Brazil national team winning world cups, um, as we know, as we've seen it, you know, that, that for, you, you just take yourself back to the 2014 World Cup, that Brazil side that went into that World Cup with so much of a, of a momentum, um, you know, the f- being favourites, being at home, being almost unbeaten in terms of lead up to that World Cup. Um, they seem to be, you know, sort of almost in cruise control towards winning that World Cup. Um, getting to the semi-final and then succumbing to the mighty Germans in the semi-final yeah. and yeah. the pressure and the ramifications of that result, that performance, um, that just never happened in Pelé's time. His ability to, to, to absorb all that pressure, to, to carry um, that around with him wherever he went, to have done it also pretty much the entire of his career playing in Brazil. Um, you know, to the, the goal scoring record that is. Um, I, I just think it, he's a player that was ahead of his time, like like so many of the, the, the top, top class players, uh, particularly of that generation. The ones that stood out, they stood out because they were quicker, they were physically stronger, they were technically better and, and so much better than the rest and where they got almost zero protection. Mm-hmm. So if they... And that's probably one of the reasons why they were so good in terms of so quick and so, so, uh, so good skills because they had to. If they, if they hadn't had it, they just wouldn't have survived. Mm. They'd have been carried off a pitch. And, and Pele was, was absolutely hacked down on so many occasions and how he's still able to pick himself up and play again and still not have the fear. I mean, there's so many players. You think about it today, you know, players get touched and they roll around down, down the pitch. I mean, Neymar's a great example. You know, you, you touch him and the guy goes down like he's been shot. Pele was touched. He was more than touched. He was physically assaulted and still picked himself up and, and, and won games, turned things around. You know, I, I, there's, so much, there's so much to admire about 
the, the era of which he played in and what they accomplished as a national team. Um, if he was to play today, where do you think across Europe he, so he would hard. have been suited? Yeah, so hard. Because would he have had the same impact today as he had back then? He certainly would have been... You can't, you can't say for sure, but I, I believe he would have been one of, if not the best, one of the best again, because mm. modern science, the, the training methods, the professionalism, everything on top of that would have enhanced his ability even more. It's a great chance now to just have a look uh, outside the Premier League now, just while we're talking on, on leagues and players from around the world with a quick European update. Need to touch on the fact that PSG, Mark, they've lost back-to-back home games for the first time in nine years. Not good. Not good, Poch. Nope. Watch, watch your back, son. Uh, Bayern Munich, they got a win on the weekend. But, of course, we have an obsession at the moment with not only Bayern Munich, but uh, what's going on in the world of Sch- Schalke uh, and, and Mustafi. Uh, he, he had an absolute blunder on the weekend, mate. Mustafi, jeez, what a goal. What happened? Was. Talk to me. Talk to me. Well, he's just trying to play it back to the goalkeeper. And, and I was listening to the commentary, actually, at the time, and, and, and the co-commentator was actually lambasting Mustafi. And I, I, I actually don't think it's... It was the bad decision from Mustafi. It was, I thought the goalkeeper also was very, very quick and possibly, I don't know whether, listen, there's no, there's no fans there. So the communication should be there. He should yeah. be able to hear, the, hear him. I just don't think there was any communication. And in the end, the goal, you see the goalkeeper come out off his line to try and cut out the cross, even though I don't think he probably would have even got the cross. No. So I thought it was a bad decision from the goalkeeper. Um, at that moment where you know your defenders are really close to the ball, unless you're 100% certain you're going to get the ball, you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to stay on your line and allow your defenders to try and deal with it. How do you stay on his line? And more than likely would have easily have taken the, taken the header back to him. Um, but that just, it just basically just confirmed how disastrous um, things are for Schalke. I mean, to, to then, you know, that was just, that opens up the floodgates, doesn't it? And they absolutely get romped. Um, Absolutely a smacking at Wolfsburg. From that moment onwards, they go on. Uh, it's only 1-0 at half time, but you, you know, it just goes to show you how fragile they are mentally. Yeah. Um, position that they're in and what is it? 18, 18th position, 25 games in, there's nine games to go and they're 11 points adrift Ooh. from the playoff position. So they're actually 11 points adrift from 17th and 16th. Seven, 16th is a playoff relegation position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say only 12 points from safety, which is ridiculous, really. They're only on 10 points with nine games to go, and they're still only 12 points adrift. Just goes mm-hmm. to show you how poor a season the others have had. Another, some seriously good fixtures this week, of course, on Optus Sport in terms of Champions League and Europa League. Two games in particular, one from Champions League, one from Europa League. We know AC Milan and Man United. We're expecting Zlatan to be back in action for that one. So plenty of storylines there. But Chelsea and Atleti, I ask you this one question. Thomas Tuchel and the attacking decisions he's got to make. What's he got to do? Because they need to score goals, buddy. They do. I think it's Jorginho and Mason Mount are both suspended. Hence the reason why both of them played against uh, Leeds on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, that shouldn't be an issue. I mean, Kai Havertz, I, I, thought, I thought, again, it was a very, very um, sort of quiet 
non non kind of noticeable performance from Kai Havertz on the weekend, even though he did play well the the, the game before. Um, <clears throat> still, he, I don't I don't think he's a, he, he's certainly not a false nine. He's certainly not a, a player that can play through that middle there and 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 have an impact. You know, he's got a decision to make. Going forward is their issue, which is funny, you know, because at the beginning of the season, everyone was like, there's no chance that Chelsea are going to have a problem going forward. Mm. Um, but they clearly do. They, they, you know, they've, they've worked so hard on, on shoring things up at the back, being really difficult to score against um, going forward. I, I think Giroud will, will play. I mean, he's proven time and time again in the Champions League that he's been invaluable to them. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if, if Werner come, comes back into the starting lineup as well. So... Yeah, I think there's there's plenty of options. As we all know, Chelsea have plenty of options. Abraham has missed the last five games with ankle injury. Even if he were to be back, I can't see him coming straight back into the lineup because he's missed so many games. Um, so I think it's pretty certain. Unless he goes again with another, another false nine, unless he decides to play Havertz again in that position, um, I, I just don't see it. It just doesn't quite... For me, it doesn't work. I think there's a good opportunity now. Mason Mount's not playing. Um, to play Kai Havertz slightly deeper, to play in that in that number ten role, I think that's more suited for him. Who would have thought, hey, that that, that sentence <clears> exists? Because before the start of the season, you'd think it'd be the other way around, wouldn't you? You know, if well, Havertz think... had to miss a game, you'd go, "How good is this for Mount?" You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think very much that's what Mason Mount was was dreading as well. That yeah. there's no chance that he's going to be playing, or it may take some months before he gets given even an opportunity. Um, but it, again, it's a great example to show you that that uh, just because a club goes out and spends fortunes on a player, um, you know, ni- nearly ninety million pounds on on Kai Havertz, um, <clears throat> that you're you're going to lose your position, and, and it's guaranteed. You know, he found himself very quickly, but in that side and making a difference. And the other thing is, he 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 took his opportunities as well. So mm. he didn't let it he didn't let it um, um, bring him down. He actually probably used it more as a. a uh, an incentive to 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 prove people that they didn't need to spend that sort of money, and I'm here as good as as these guys, if not better. And at the moment, he's certainly showing that he's that he's better than. Them. All right, Mark. Let's talk wine and wind things up here on another episode of the Two Shop Reds. I've gone for one of the only Barossa Valley Shirazes that I can find on the mm. island. Uh, I can sniff it out anywhere. I'm like a a truffle pig. In that scenario, I just go around, I can sniff it out. But a really good Shiraz, bursting with bold Aussie flavours. Um, it's uh, ripe, generous fruit combining with nice savoury flavours. Very bold and concentrated. Of course, very jealous that I can't match it right now uh, with either a barbecue grilled meat or a pulled pork roll uh, as it's uh, not, not the time of the day to be getting stuck into that. Time of the day for the wine. Uh, but not for the pool port role. Uh, but I've been, I've enjoyed my wine. How about yourself? Um, yeah, I have enjoyed it. It's um, it's one of those wines that uh, very bold, powerful. Um, you know the usual stuff: black currants, fruity, vivid smell. You know, taste it very predominantly coming through. Um, it's uh, it's something that again. Any type of the, it's more of a real strong meaty flavour. So you wouldn't be having it with your chicken, but you certainly will be having it with your your beef, your lambs, your pork, and even even a, a game, any game sort of uh, yep. meat, um, because of that it's a kind of a, a very very full bodied wine. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. It certainly is a um, uh, a one man ban, <laughs> so to speak. 2015. I own a South African wine, um, and very much enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay, uh, Paper Scissors Rock, who goes first? Uh, let's... Go on, mate. I, I like you. You've recently yeah. been going first, so yep. you know, I'll, I'll let you continue along that, those, uh, those paths. 
as long as we can play a game of paper, scissors, rock a bit later on, that's just, you know, it doesn't have to be for anything, but I just <laughs> want to play it. Uh, so the, the, the key words here, uh, ripe, uh, currently uh, this player, uh, I would say it's coming into uh, being, you know, at their peak, uh, very ripe, very generous though. Uh, and the generous flavours that this wine has been lending to each other, whether it be from the flute or the savoury notes, are uh, very generous. But this player in particular, uh, over the last 12 months in particular, has done some extraordinary things off the field and was one of the most generous young men we've seen um, in terms of the public eye for a really long time. Incredibly, it, the concentration I've noticed as well has impressed me uh, yeah. maybe because he's a young man and, and you, uh, you know, we touched on that earlier with things like, you know, your Smith Rose of the world aren't exactly going to be late to a meeting because he, you know, you, you, you're young and you're hungry and you're, you know, you're going through that. So I, he, he seems very concentrated on his game, but also what's important to him uh, out in the world, which I really like, but also the combination of the fruit and the savory, his combination play with some of the guys around him has really impressed me, particularly this season. And for that reason, I'm going for Manchester United's Marcus Rashford. Yep, predictable. Predictable. Yeah. Yeah. No, only only by your um your explanation. It, yeah. If I didn't say the generous thing, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I was pretty sure that's who it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fine. Absolutely good. Yeah. That's fine. Um, Tick. Yeah. So my wine's a Iona one man band 2015. It's a full body wine, fruity, and it has a very, very long aftertaste. It's also a wine that is very, very good now, but I think has the potential to get better and better. So with that in mind, um, this is a player that was, was very good at a young age. Probably didn't, it certainly didn't hit the consistency of the, of, of, of the heights that you would ex- probably hit all the expectations that were surrounding him um, or came with him. Um, he's a player that over time has developed more and more, certainly bold, certainly, uh, um, you know, is, is someone that uh, is, it was very, very believing in his own ability. And he's very overly confident, um, this player is. And he's certainly become better and better uh, over time. And uh, it'll be interesting on Thursday night, our time, Friday morning, Australian time. Has he still been able to deliver at the, the twilight at the end of his career um, when he comes up against his old, one of his old clubs, Manchester United, um, in the Europa League? So with that in mind, I'm, gonna, I'm going to name it as Slatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah, good call. You're right. It did get better, didn't he? Just as we thought that uh, things were coming to an end. Just keeps going. Yeah. You know, he kind of like popped up every now and then, you know, every now and then, like, you know, fairly inconsistently in terms of scoring a freak goal, wonder goal. But then all of a sudden you'd hear the comments about how wonderful he is. And this is all about himself though, actually. He was making those comments. (laughs) Yeah. But remember, that's what I do about two sharp reds. You know, it's the same thing, you know. Yeah. 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 Eventually people will start believing you. Well, you hope anyway. Well, on that note, uh, we'll dedicate this episode to Zlatan. Do you feel comfortable with that? Or Yeah, um, well... Um, or Pelé. I think, Pelé. Yeah, Pelé. It has to be Pelé, yeah. Still the yeah. great. Still the greatest. Okay. Still the great. Even though one record's gone, he's still the greatest. Okay, in fair my enough. Opinion. Well, try and smile, you know, continue to, to, to live your life. You know, his records and, and moments won't be forgotten, okay? Oh, certainly no, not certainly here on the not. Two Sharp no, Reds, though. No, certainly not. Good no, on you. Pelé, he's the man, mate. He's the man. Good on you. All right, Mark, on that note, a big cheers to you, a big cheers to the listeners, and we'll see you same time, same place on the Two Sharp Reds next week.
can't wait, mate. Can't wait to see your lovely face at uh, whatever time of the morning it is over there again in Bermuda. Thank you, buddy. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Love you. (laughs) See ya. Yep. Love you. Yep. (sighs) I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.